You're listening to the Athletic Motion Golf Podcast. I'm Mike Renato, and I'm here with my good buddy and co-founder in AMG, Sean Webb. We have one goal with this podcast, to help you improve your game. We're going to do that by showing you what the best players in the world do, and then show you how to incorporate those same moves into your own swing. And we're going to do it all in 15 minutes or less. Today's episode is brought to you by Live View Golf. We use the Live View Pro every day in lessons because it gives our golfers the necessary feedback for improvement. The Live View Pro is like having a swing studio in your pocket. It's a tool we recommend to anyone serious about improving their swing. Check it out at liveviewsports.com backslash AMG to get $40 off at checkout. So a lot of times folks will send us, uh, you know, video clips, other YouTube clips, and we don't get a chance to watch them all, but occasionally we do if it, if it sounds interesting enough. And someone sent us a Mike Austin, you know, the legendary Mike Austin uh, video clip where he was talking about he doesn't lift his arms in a swing, and he was saying, you know, I, I know you guys you know, talk about arm lift, but here's a great player, one of the best ball strikers, in his opinion, and, and he doesn't lift his arms. And it's like, so I watched a, a few minutes of the video, and all right, so w- when you see things like that, because there's all sorts of examples of that online, right? Oh when great God. players say, don't do this, or I do that, or whatever, and then players, as, as players, we hear that and then try to do that in our golf swing. You've got to look at these things objectively. Mike Austin has a lot of arm lift. He was a long hitter. There's never been a long hitter that didn't get to see guys like a, you could, you could say a Kuchar has the, a, a lesser amount of lift or lesser something amount, like right. that, but they're lifting their arms, and you know, the Mike Austin thing is, is funny and, and it goes along with every other great player. He might actually feel that. Right. Especially if he started his golf career literally just picking the club up and down. And he wasn't taught that the club needed to swing around him. His feel might actually be he doesn't lift his arms. It doesn't mean that he doesn't lift his arms. And it doesn't mean you're going to feel the same thing and get the same result in your swing. There's no objective data there to work off. You're just going off somebody else's feel of what they do, and you can't rely on that. No, and I think that's kind of the underlying theme here is that when great players describe something in their golf swing, okay, that's fine. That's certainly their feel, and they're really good at describing their feels. But we work with them all the time. They're not as good because they, they shouldn't be as good at diagnosing what it is they actually do. They have to play with the feels of their golf swing. They shouldn't know what the majority of other players do. They have to know their swing really well. And golfers will hear that and take it as gospel. You know, just using Mike, I'm not picking on Mike Austin. He's a great, great golf swing. Yeah, no, no problem. But he lifted his arms a bunch, even though he's saying he didn't lift them a degree. And, you know, it's, it's, it's even easy to see on video. Obviously, we've never captured him in gears, but it's easy to see on video. We He looks like the other players who lift their arms about 30 degrees in the golf swing. And you trying to apply that or any of these other things, you know, we get a lot of people that send us, you know, quotes from, from Hogan's book or whoever that, you know, well, this player didn't do that because he wrote it, you know, he said so in his book. Well, that's, you know, again, especially when you're looking at the older generation of golfers before all the technology was available. Mm-hmm. Right now that we're able to measure what players do, the golf swing really hasn't changed that much over the years. Players have gotten bigger, equipment's changed, players are swinging faster, but you're still making a pivot and moving laterally. That's always been the golf swing. Yeah, I'm just kind of 
um, conceptualizing something in my head, like like with my own swing, for example. You know, I, I used to tend to get laid off and kind of open at the top um, on the backswing, let's, let's say, and I didn't shift off the ball quite enough. So my feel in my swing is, you know, get the hips moving off the ball a lot, like my feel, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then feel like really quite way across the line, my feel, because I was on the other side of the right, spectrum. Right. And when I do that, I shift about an inch off the ball, and the club <laughs> sits between the arms at the top. Not Pretty classic. Right. Now, if I took my brain and transplanted it into Mike's brain, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think if I'm thinking about this the right way. I don't know if you know where I'm going with I this. think I know where you're going. And then I ran Mike's body based on his what he did in his golf swing in the past. Like, let's say he shifted off the ball too much, and he was too much across the so line. So you, you, always, you always talk about a feel suit. Your feel suit, this is right? What I'm so doing. if you if I could get in your feel suit, yes, I would be like, holy cow, this is nothing like what I've ever tried to do in the golf swing. Yeah, because like let's say your your issues were too much shift off the ball and too across the line. Right. Well, if you got into my suit, now you're six inches of sway and you're so across the line you can't hit the ball. Right. So my perception of what I'm doing based on my background in my swing, which was laid off and slide, I was taught to lay the club off and slide my hips to the left on the backswing. So my perception of shifting off the ball and going across the line puts me in a bread and butter neutral. Just enough to make you neutral. And if Mike does it, he's so I was taught the opposite to shift way off the ball. So if I felt that, it's he can't play golf anymore. right i can't apply that feel to my swing exactly right and I, i've never thought about it that way and it just kind of hit me but that is why somebody's feels won't necessarily translate to what you're doing because their body's different they got different injuries they got different levels of flexibility they're different sizes mike and i are testament to that and the most important part of all that i think is the lesson background and the things that you struggled with and worked on in your swing for the previous 30 years that all goes into account of what you need to feel in your swing. And Mike Austin might have had to feel that to get his arms somewhere neutral. Now, in that video, I just watched that one, that one you know, few minutes of the video. He didn't describe that as a feel. He said, that's what I do. See, that's just, where things really go off the rails so when you yeah, start trying to apply this If stuff. he would have said feel, okay, I can go with that. But he's saying that's like he, that's what he exactly does and s- – Sorry, I get that he was a great ball striker. I never saw him hit a ball. I'm sure he was great. I know he hit it a long way. Yeah, legendary. But it doesn't give you a free pass just to say, it's fine. It's a free country. You can say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean it's correct what he was telling people to do. No, and that's not evidence. It's not. You know, this is probably the biggest thing that we – that we have to communicate in lessons for, for folks who are, who are new to us when they come in. It's like, okay, me saying that I do X, Y, and Z in my swing and me being, I'm a great golfer. Let's say I'm a, I'm a tour pro five-time winner. Me saying that, or I'm Mike Austin, me saying that I do that is not evidence of what I do. No, that's just me saying that maybe that's what I feel. Maybe that's what I'm practicing. Maybe that's what I'm rehearsing. Maybe that's what I'm trying to do, but that's not evidence of what I do in my swing. When we suit you up, when we measure you in 3D, that's the evidence of what you do in your swing. Now, for some tour players, those two things match. For some, they don't. And for most amateurs, those things don't match. I mean, remember the first time you ever seen your swing on video? 
I was like, that ain't what my swing looks like. A long time ago, and I think I do remember it. I'm thinking, Whoa. I can remember it as plain as day. I was like, that's not what I think I look thing? like at I, all. I almost wish I could go back to that because that was that was an eye opening experience. Yes. I, I remember. I even remembered up to the point where I, I used to work on my swing a lot, and I would video my own swing with like a a handheld VCR, mm-hmm. a VCR tape in it. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I finally ended up taking my first lesson with Phil Ritson. And um, I think it was the first lesson I ever got where he, you know, he drew the lines and, and uh, it was so rolled inside. I could not <laughs> believe it. I could not believe how rolled inside my backswing was. And he's like, yeah, you, you know, you're putting yourself in a, it was a great teacher. I mean, kind of the, I mean, he's was like one of the first guys I think to really take off. Yeah. Teacher. Legendary teacher. Legendary teacher. And uh, he was great. And he had a way about him that was really cool. And he, he made you believe you could play some good golf if you did if you made the change, which is the, half the battle. And uh, he said, we got to figure out, you know, a way to get your club up on plane. And um, he gave me the the drill with where I've talked about it before. I took the head cover. I, I wrapped a, a, like a sock, maybe a head cover or a sock around a seven iron and stood about a foot away from a wall. And I, I remember you, you, we did a video swings. on that drill. Yeah, yeah. I made backswings. I made so many backswings <laughs> with that sock on that seven iron, figuring it out. And um, it was till it felt what it looked like. Like, like until, until I could say, right. I know where that, and I'm still, it's funny. I did so much work back then. I can almost can't make it on. I almost can't not make an on plane backswing. I worked on it so much. Like, it got almost too steep. Like my backswing mm-hmm. got pointed up too high because it needs a little bit of layback. And um, and that's that's Tiger's. Yeah. What he said, you know, he said, I, you know, feeling real are rarely the same. But he said, but I play my best golf when they're the same. Yeah, when he knows where that club head is right. at all times, and it looks on video like he thinks it feels. To me, that's probably the where you're going to play some good golf because you know where you're putting the club. I know for me, you know. Like if Mike's playing with me and I start hitting it squirrely, he'll film me from down the line and, and there you go. I'm back to laid off. Mm-hmm. So I have to, you know, get get that more of that feel in there to get it a little more cross feeling, across the line feeling, and then I'll start playing good again. But when your feels and um, what's really happening, they get crossed, you can you can kind of get off the rails. I remember the first time this kind of really hit me hard um, was watching, you know, back playing college basketball, was watching game film. Right, you know, so the process is, you know, you're in the game, you're playing, it's being recorded, you may make a mistake or whatever in the game, and you're getting yelled at, you know, in the heat of the moment, like, you missed a guy who was wide open, this and that. You're only seeing the game. As the player, you're only seeing the game through your camera, your two eyeballs, right? And you see the court open up certain ways. But we would always film from up in the rafters so you could have that bird's eye view of the court. And then in the – in the film session, you know, the, usually on Mondays when you, when you know you get the whole team in there and you're going over the game film and you're, and he's wearing, he's wearing me out about, you know, see, missed, missed him. I was like, coach, there, there are two seven footers between me and him. I couldn't see him, but it's so wide open when you're looking at a bird's eye view. So we all have this perspective from our frame of focal point, our point of view in the golf swing, the standing over the ball. At a certain point, the arms disappear. Right. That's when things can get off track. And that's been our theory for a long time is especially with the trail side of the body 
trail arm, trail leg, those things disappear early in the golf swing from your vision. And when they disappear, you don't know where they are. You have a feel that feels often deceiving and it often doesn't match what's happening on video. So from our perspective versus what you see yourself do, you know, from that tripod camera perspective, that's a hard connection to make sometimes. Man, you made a great point. I, I didn't play basketball nearly as high level as you did, but I was decent. You know, I played like a, three years on the varsity team. We, we were a small school, but I, I was decent. And I, I remember um, we had a new coach come in who had, he did, he coached some college basketball, I think, mm-hmm. knew what he was doing. And he started filming. <laughs> it's totally different, isn't it? And I almost had never been so embarrassed in my life. <laughs> He's like, Sean, what, what are you, what are you doing? What are, you, what are you doing? It's funny. You know, I grew up in a real small town. We never had a lot of high level, you know, basketball coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, they just kind of right. learned on your own playing right. pickup basketball. And I just had never learned from a good coach how to move without the basketball. And to me, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. That's a skill that you don't. It's not talked about very much, but that separates a lot of players. Oh my gosh! When when we would do the film session. And that's one thing you can see on video. I mean, I'm out there like when you you I'm like lost. if you make a pass and you just watch what's going on. That was me. And then you got three guys on the perimeter just watching what's going on. That and was it me. Destroys the offense. And we ran what was called a motion offense, so there wasn't set plays. There was you had two rules. When you when you got rid of the ball, you couldn't get closer to the ball, right? Okay. And you had to to move and not preferably switch sides of the court. So. When you throw the ball, you're like you, you know, you're tired. You throw the ball, and you just stand there and watch. That was when the film guy hit on pause, and it was a, like, a five minute, you know, butt chewing. It, it's, it's funny, <laughs> you know. Um, we don't have to stick on basketball, but it's a cool topic. Um, so I, 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 I moved to. I was living in Orlando, went to school in in Lake, and then I ended up moving to Orlando, and uh, we we would go to a lot of the Magic games. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had good seats for some reason one night, and they were playing a team that had um, – they might have been Detroit. They had Rip Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me tell you, I had a good enough seat to watch this guy. He didn't stop running the entire – he scored like 28 points. He never stopped running the entire game. And I'm like, I, I had no idea. I, I knew what it looked like, but when you get up close to the best players in the world at anything, you notice stuff you don't see. He's like – I was totally missing a whole chunk of the game I didn't know existed. It's so funny. And then we're going to go off on this basketball tangent because this is fun. The first time that really sunk in with me, we were on a uh, – this was in high school. We had a – we were playing the best team in the in the region, and they had a player that was kind of like that. What was the kid from Hoosiers that sunk all the baskets? Jimmy? Yeah. Like Cheatham or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a player kind of like that. And the whole week the coach had our one of our backup guards just watch his film, and his only job in practice was to do what this kid did. Whoa. And he was a non I – mean, he didn't stop moving. Oh so I had to guard him, and I was like, I'm exhausted. Like, this kid does not stop. He was coming off screens. He was moving corners. He was leaving the baseline. I was like, oh, that's a different kind of ball game. Like that's an advantage. I never had thought about it. As much yeah. until I, I was like, well, I don't have the ball. My job's done. I mean, I never really learned. And it's a, it's one of those skills. Someone actually has to kind of like coach you into like. Absolutely. Hey man, it's not natural. you got a better chance of scoring, getting away from the ball instead of always like being right there trying to get the ball. 
because the defender's not going to be geeked up to follow you all around the court. <laughs> no, he's going to he's going <laughs> to No, it's easy. I was a great defensive player when the guy I was guarding just threw it and stopped stood still. <laughs> he's running. I was awesome at that. If he was moving all over and I was like, "No, nope, switch up." <laughs> so funny. I don't but know where we're going. You can that. apply that to the same thing in in golf, right? You don't know what yeah. When you when you when that stuff goes out of your vision, a lot of those things stop. Like we see a lot of shoulders that stop turning, trail shoulders stop turning. We see a lot of trail legs stop working, right? They don't bend in the downswing. All those sorts of things that you're not going to feel, that you're not even going to be aware of, that you can start to pick up. And just because a great player says, I don't lift my arms, and when you look at his swing and his hands are up above his head, I mean, in our in our uh, AMG 3D, we can actually take the golfer from address and move any part of his anatomy Right, so we'll take a golfer, make a a pivot, and not touch the arms. Guess where the arms are? Right around the waist. Yeah, they don't get above your head by the pivot by accident. Nope. And if if they do, it probably means you did a, a bad, like made a bad pivot move. Right, if you kind of cocked yourself off, we see it all the time. It's yeah, it's it's um, you're using the body. To actually, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can try. You can make some really cartoonish type moves to get them up, maybe another foot, but they're still not getting above your head. Not in a traditional looking golf swing. <laughs> not in a golf swing. It's not yeah. happening. <laughs> not a not a downswing you'd want to be proud of. It's funny. There's another video floating around, and it's been floating around forever. I mean, even when I was teaching years ago, people would show me this video when I first started teaching long time ago. It was just it's like a two minute clip. Of Ben Hogan standing on the range, showing how he starts his swing with his hips, and he kind of like lets the hips pull the arms, and super duper, he's just standing there talking, saying, "So you know, when I start my swing, I fire the hips and mm-hmm. hold as much yeah. angle I can." And his club face is wide open, his left wrist is super cupped, and he's just kind of like demonstrating. Pulling. He's demonstrating, and I swear that one video has it's ruined a lot ruined of ruined a lot of golfers. And I remember thinking, I remember the person who was who showed it to me one time and he's writer for golf magazines. Good guy. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think that's for you. You're already hitting it to the right. I said, you got to remember one thing about Hogan. He, he was fighting a hook. So, you know, you he wanted you nothing to do with that ball turning over, not fighting a hook. So he's, he's cupping his wrist and he's, he's hedging his bets on the hook. But I was like that for the average guy, and again, the same thing. If you measured Ben Hogan, he's not. But he he's didn't not do that. that. No. He's not getting his hips that far out ahead. He's not being passive completely with his arms. It would be impossible because you wouldn't hit it anywhere. If you just let your arms hang like ropes and just turn. That's Gravity, not, we hear that that's, a lot. That's not slinging them through. You have to use the arms, and that's another topic for another day. But that one video is another example how he probably felt a lot of those things, but he didn't really do a lot of those things. That's why I think, Mm-mm. I mean, I used his book. I mean, I remember when I got that book and I'm thinking to myself, this is it. If I just copy every single thing in this book to a T, I'm going to hit it like Hogan. And um, I started I started doing that deal with the, you know, tying my arms to my body and not getting the elbows up. And I, I got the worst case of the shanks. You know, I, I it might have worked for him. Maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't. He had. I know he had super long arms for his height. I mean, it was built a little different. His clubs are like way flat, like six, seven degrees flat, I believe. I mean, so to try to copy him was just a disaster for me to do. And I played terrible. And again, my dad's like, what are you doing? It's always that. <laughs> what, what are you doing? 
well, you know, it's Ben Hogan. He's like, you Hogan. were hitting it good. Yeah. Like, what was yeah. the point of doing this? I was like, I know, I know. And it, always it, better, right? And, you know, that's probably the mark of a, of a true teacher at heart. I was always just tinkering. tinkering yeah. Whenever that golf magazine came in, I mean, I was doing everything in the magazine for the next week. That's why everybody thinks they're a golf teacher, because everybody tinkers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I was doing some tinkering. I, maybe I'm the tinker king. That's why I ended up being a golf teacher. Anyways. So, yeah, to kind of put a bow on this one, you have to be careful what you hear good players say. And first, you got to try to find the evidence in it because there's evidence out there of what good players do. And unless that player is doing something drastically different than what you see good players do, who we do have data on now, it's probably not going to be. And we pile all this data together. They do pretty much the same thing in a lot of these key areas. One being 100% of them lift their arms in the golf swing. Yeah, that's And 100% of them lower their arms in the downswing. So just be careful what you listen to. Try to apply it objectively to what you see and then certainly what data is available for that. And that will keep you, hopefully, from going down any of these wrong roads and trying things that just don't actually happen. Keep you within the rails. That's right. Stay within the rails. Uh, if you're enjoying these podcasts, go on iTunes and leave us a five-star and a written review, please. It helps us uh, reach more golfers, and we're trying to help as many of you as we can. 